The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to our guest. It's Chen Wong, Managing Director, Asia-Pacific Chief Economist at Vanguard. Chen Wong, thanks very much for being with us. For the bond market to be all in on recession, we probably would have been more likely to see an 18 basis point drop in the 10-year yield rather than a gain. But I think most people seem to feel now that we're a lot closer to recession both in the U.S. and globally than we were in weeks past. Uh, Your thoughts and your analysis on whether or not the global economy is headed for recession. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for the question. Um, I think at this moment, you know, uh, especially given um, the lag in the monetary policy transmission, right, there is indeed a risk for the Fed to over tighten. And as a result, a recession uh, will be, um, you know, coming in 2023 or 2024. Um, But I think when you think about the other side of the risk is that the Fed does not uh, move aggressively. And we could end up in, uh, you know, 1970-like stagflation scenario and in that case, Fed will eventually have to gain back the control on inflation with higher price, which means an even deeper recession, right? So, you know, compared to that, I think probably it's more appropriate for the Fed to err on the more aggressive side um, of action at this moment, right? So I don't think recession is a question. The question is how bad the recession would be. And it's just interesting how quickly the outlook has changed just within the last couple of months when we were looking at a 10-year yield trying to reach 2.5% and now 30 basis points within 4%. What does all of this mean in terms of the the gloomy outlook there? Well, I think, you know, uh, the market is clearly pricing in rising chances of, uh, you know, a recession, right? So, you know, this is a pretty consistent with our view that we think, you know, a recession is probably not wanted, but really needed at this moment to bring down inflation. You know, Fed cannot do much with supply shocks and rising food costs, right? So they have to depress um, the demand um, down. Um, Now, I think as long as inflation expectation is anchored, Right. Especially, I think, you know, Fed actually trying to restore the credibility by moving more, you know, uh, laying out a very aggressive path, um, you know, uh, down the road. That actually could help keep inflation expectation well anchored. And that could result in a milder recession in 2023. Uh, we call that a job full recession, which means unemployment rate should be able to stay below 5%. So we have a lot of negative inputs, really, from the macro, uh, turbulent currencies, for one thing, and these soaring bond yields. Uh, and and so- soaring bond yields, they can't be good for various countries' bond markets either. But now, in addition to that, we probably will see earnings get revised lower because, you know, people will be looking at slower growth globally. And in fact, the companies probably uh, they, they will have to revise down uh, their, their earnings. So does this make it one of the toughest environments for risk assets that you've seen in some period of time? Well, I certainly say 
um, you know, this is not a very friendly environment for risky assets, right? So, um, you know, on one hand, we do feel that uh, the bond market seems to have priced in a lot of the tightening um, that's, uh, you know, uh, expected uh, down the road. But I think the equity market probably still takes some time to price in uh, a recession that's coming, right? So the earnings growth so far still looks quite optimistic. So there's some room for that to be, you know, revised down. Um, But at the same time, even on the valuation side, we don't think the valuation uh, has come to what we think is a fair value, uh, even after the sharp decline uh, so far this year. You know, in our fair value model, we see the S&P 500 valuation still about 20 percent above above the fair value, uh, our estimated. So that means on both side earnings and um, valuation side, you probably will expect some downside. Chen Wang is MD and Asia-Pacific Chief Economist at Vanguard. Uh, on the line for us from San Francisco and talk the China story, speaking of borders being open or closed. Uh, we're looking ahead to the latest snapshot of the economy with the PMIs next week. We had Goldman Sachs downgrade their 2023 forecast this week. How do you see the China picture in terms of the COVID zero policy still stifling growth? Well, I think if you think about the third quarter um, recovery, right, has been rather lackluster. Um, and um, even though August data uh, has surprised somewhat on the upside, um, um, but uh, new lockdowns actually has crept up in September, um, which would have further dampen the consumption and service. So we are actually, you know, if you watch the PMI data next week, then probably we'll always see the growth momentum uh, start to weaken again in September. Um, I think going into fourth quarter and 2023, really, the outlook highly depends on uh, the involvement of the zero COVID policy, right? So, you know, I think there could be some modest relaxation after the National Party Congress, um, but any meaningful uh, relaxation is unlikely until, say, the People's Congress next March. You know, China still, the elderly vaccination rate is low. Um, the natural uh, you know, immunity through infections low, and also there's still, uh, you know, this insufficient resource of medical, um, you know, healthcare system, right? So I just feel that this will be somehow persistently, you know, uh, weighing on the growth outlook. So among those three areas that are impeding the Chinese economy, the zero COVID policy, the the property crisis, and, and just global inputs, uh, uh, which one is having the most deleterious or negative effect on the Chinese economy? Well, I would say, you know, uh, I would still say probably it's a zero COVID. Um, I think the problem is that the housing, deepening housing crisis, to a certain extent, you know, can be controlled, um, you know, uh, by the government. The impact can be contained uh, from the downside, right? So they may not be able to engineer a strong rebound in the housing market, but the downside can be cushioned when the government relax, um, you know, the uh, uh, relax a lot of the regulations. Uh, the synchronized global downturn will certainly weigh on uh, the export sector. Well, but on the other hand, I think the zero COVID policy is really the wild card there. It can bring um, a lot of the upside to the uh, the growth next year, right? Once you relax, you know, get rid of the zero policy consumption service. You think about all the pent up demand. Um, but on the other hand, it could actually continue to persistently depress um, the economy. On the other hand, if they do not relax. Let's talk about Japan, the intervention there. Our economics team saying it's a temporary fix at best. We know that a weak yen can actually be good for the Japanese economy, but how are you viewing all these big moves that we're seeing in uh, in currencies? 
I, I think eventually you think about the Japan MOF intervention. I think they will certainly help without some speculation in the near term. Um, but the problem is this is unilateral intervention, right? And also it's not really well coordinated with the central bank. So, you know, this kind of uh, intervention usually is uh, costly, in that, uh, ineffective, and also uh, unlikely to sustain, right? Eventually, I think the yen weakness is supported by fundamental, right? The rising yield differential, record trade deficit. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kuroda-san has actually remained dovish and insists there is no change needed in the next two or three years. Uh, mm. So given that, um, I just don't think the intervention is going to be having, like, sustained effect. At least the intervention tells us that um, having a weaker currency is not really a plus. Uh, and I, I guess we see that with China as well. Are they in a similar situation? They're just trying to stem the rapidity of the uh, decline of the currency, not really push it up. Mm, you're right. I think both of them are trying to cushion the uh, you know, downside, right? So they don't, nobody wants a disorderly and large um, you know, currency depreciation, um, especially. So I, I think, you know, to a certain extent, uh, when you think about uh, Japan and China, both of them are trying to manage the expectation, right, to avoid this uh, re- self-reinforcing expectation for currency depreciation. Yeah. Uh, I think the critical difference is between Japan and China is that China has, China can uh, tighten capital control. Right? Hmm. Chiang, we're going to have to leave it there. Chiang Wang, MD, and Asia-Pacific Chief Economist at Vanguard. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.